Jesus community, that's our series right now. We look to bless other people. We are blessed to bless other people. We also celebrate baptisms together. There are four more people getting baptized next service and more people putting their trust in the Lord. All for God's glory, truly, lives are being changed right here. And I also want to uh, point out that a Jesus community gathers outside the walls of the church. We're going to do that tonight in kind of a unique way. And I need to give you an update on some information. Faith and Family Night is in the Showware Center at 5 o'clock. There's about 200 of us going at 5 o'clock. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a great time. Now, be there before 5 because three of our singers are going to sing the national anthem. And then you're going to see a bunch of our kids out on the field and having fun and doing different things. And then, this is interesting, Vinny from our church was just traded to Baltimore. That's what happens with pro sports. And Vinny loves Jesus. But there's another player on the team, Felipe, from Brazil. And he's like, i got to come to your church next weekend. So look for Felipe next weekend. But today, Felipe is going to share his story and his faith and his journey. So Felipe and I will share at the end of the game We're all going to be sitting around section 104. So if you come, uh, just come over to 104. And if you still want a ticket, coupon code FAITH, it's only $8. After the game, in the Heritage Room, they've set apart this awesome room. It's in the upper concourse there. Heritage Room, that's where we're going to gather. And then Felipe and I are going to share about faith. This is also a great opportunity to bring people who may not come to church. This is a great opportunity to meet some people who you haven't met yet. By the way, it's Eduardo's birthday, and he brought 25 friends tonight. So he's bringing 25 friends. That's one of your goals, is to find Eduardo and tell him happy birthday. So it's going to be a celebration. Uh, Jesus community, we follow Jesus everywhere we go. Live, work, learn, or play. Tonight is play. And then also, I want to highlight Revival Night, because we haven't had this before. Now, we just had a Gospel Experience Night. How many people were there at the Gospel Experience? night. Yeah, and and you know how God moved if you were there. And just continuing with different events that are catalytic, that move our faith forward. Uh, There's moments that change us where God meets us. Revival Night is about an encounter with Jesus. And this is what I want you to think of right now. What is the one area in your life that you need God to revive? Not someone else, you. Is it your faith? Is it your prayer life? Is it finances, health? Is it marriage? Or is it a relationship with one of your children? What's the one area you need God to revive? And that's all you need to bring Wednesday night. That's what you need to bring Wednesday night. We're going to come humble. We're going to come hungry in an encounter with Jesus. We're going to seek Jesus together. As was pointed out, and this is a little unique, we're going to meet. You know how at sports they have uh, tailgating parties before the game in the parking lot? Well, we've got prayer at 5.30 in the chapel. And you might not know this, but there's a prayer movement right now across the sound. On April 19th, in homes, not one gathering point, but in homes across the sound, people are going to be praying and seeking God and fasting all across the sound on April 19th. Our prayer time is linked to that. Uh, Wednesday night, 5.30 in the chapel, or come here, worship center at 7. Worship, the word, we're going to have some unique stations as well. Here's our heart. It's to encounter Jesus and seek Jesus. There's no limits to what God can do in the Bible and today. When people are humble, hungry, seek Jesus, have an encounter with him, God heals, restores, revives. You might think something's dead. Watch God revive it. And we seek him together. So that's Wednesday night. We're looking forward to what God's going to do. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. And all these exciting things, uh, fun things, joyful things, 
Lord, in the middle of sometimes discouraging things, we find your hope, we find your presence. And Jesus, we take to heart your words that in this world we will have trouble, but you have overcome the world. We pray your resurrection power in our lives and this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today, if you want to open up a Bible, and we're going to be talking about ambassadors. An ambassador is a high-ranking representative given a very specific and temporary assignment. An ambassador, and that's what God says you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're an ambassador of Jesus. You're a very high-ranking, you're a co-heir with Christ. You have an inheritance that's eternal. You have an abundant life. You have an identity in Christ. You are his representative on earth. And you've been given an assignment that's very personal. It's also very global. And it's local. And this assignment is temporary. You're not going to be here on earth for that many decades. Our home is heaven. But it's very personal, specific, and temporary, this assignment that you've been given. And what, what a high honor to be called by God an ambassador of Jesus. You don't have anything higher than that, as honorable as it is to be a parent or a spouse or an employee or whatever job you hold. All of that is underneath this overarching calling and identity that you are an ambassador of Christ. And with that calling and identity, because that's who you are, that pours into everything you do. Now you say, ambassador of Christ, I don't hear that phrase very often because it's so easy for that to get lost in the shuffle and lost in the noise and lost in the busyness and lost in our priorities that sometimes we forget we are ambassadors of Jesus. And God is raising up more ambassadors, ambassadors who in their lives you can see Jesus so clearly. Those are the ambassadors that we want to grow and learn and become. We're going to look at three questions today, and they're really three commitments as well. Relating to being an ambassador, God renews this reality in our life, an ambassador of Jesus. Here's the first question. What is your primary purpose? That's good to think about. That's real important to identify. What's your primary purpose? Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Hope you appreciate and notice in Paul's writings in the Bible, there is this growing awe of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. Let's not be stagnant. Let's not be people who said, well, I've already done that. I already know that. I'm in plateau mode. I'm not growing anymore. That's not the Apostle Paul. He is growing in his awe and appreciation. It leads to a life of service and devotion and worship and thanksgiving. And his faith is growing. Let's grow in our faith. 
You're not all there. I'm not all there. We have so much more to step into and move forward with with God. What is an ambassador? I gave one definition already. I think these two phrases in the verses really compile another definition and description of an ambassador. An ambassador is compelled by the love of Christ, and an ambassador no longer lives for themselves. Can you put those two together? Compelled by the love of Christ, no longer living for ourselves. Well, Paul says that. Does he live that? We get glimpses into Paul's life in the book of Acts, and I want us to take a look at a couple different verses from different chapters in the book of Acts. And Paul is on these journeys, living out his faith. And here we have uh, Derby, Lystra is the city he is in currently, and it says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul, they dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city, compelled by the love of Christ, no longer living for himself, went back to that city, and the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. If someone killed you and thought they killed you today, would you just go right back to serving God and talking to them about Jesus? I mean, you see a glimpse at Paul and how he was living. Then we also see in Acts 19. Now this is Ephesus, different city, abiding still. He called them together along with the workers and related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. Now, this is Demetrius, and they receive uh, money by making false idols and these little silver shrines. And now the apostle Paul comes in and says, those are a bunch of idols. Those are dead. I'm going to tell you about the living God. It threatens their business. And you see in here how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. How do you think they're going to like that? From a viewpoint of all their profit and all the money that's made on sin is suddenly threatened. What do you think they want to do to Paul? Same thing they want to do to Jesus. When you live for Jesus... What do you think some people are going to want to do to you? And Paul lived in that reality every single day. But he didn't stop. He kept showing up. He didn't give up. He stepped up. He spoke up. And this is what he says. And now he's going to Jerusalem, another city, and now compelled by the Spirit. Wow, compelled by the love of Christ. I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However... I consider my life worth nothing to me, no longer living for themselves. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And then we see one more verse in Acts 21. When he heard this, uh, when they all heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul, don't go up to Jerusalem. Don't go there, Paul. We care about you. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get beaten up. You're probably going to get killed. Please don't go, Paul. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. The Lord's will be done. They couldn't talk him out of it. Why? Because he's compelled by the love of Christ, and he's no longer living for himself. He's on a mission. He's an ambassador of Jesus with a special assignment for a limited time to make the most of the opportunities. And what you notice in Paul's life and in Jesus' life, the greater the opportunity, the greater the opposition. Some of you are in the middle of an amazing opportunity and you're expecting it to be smooth sailing and everyone to applaud. 
is you're living for Jesus. But I'll tell you the pattern in the Bible is that the greater the opportunity that comes, the greater the opposition. So don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged when the devil shows up or demons are trying to do things and mess with you and lies and discouragement and people are backstabbing you. Don't be surprised. Do you think as you shine the light of Jesus that the darkness in this world is just going to say, here, have this territory. Oh, here, this soul saved too? Wonderful. Oh, great. Here, let me get out of the way for you. No, Paul shows up. God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but power and love. And, and what we see here is that they're going to call Paul names. Paul is out of his mind. Paul is foolish. Paul is just too excited about Jesus. They're going to say that about you. If you live for Jesus, they're going to say, you're crazy. You're foolish. You're way too into Jesus. You're way too excited about God. You just got this religious fervor going on. They're going to say that about you. They said that about Jesus. He's out of his mind. They're going to say that about Paul. But don't let it stop you. Ambassadors have a call to be more close with people and more vulnerable with people. What you see as Paul as an ambassador is he keeps drawing closer to people and he's more vulnerable with people. And Howard Hendricks, one of my mentors in seminary, said, you can impress people from a distance, but you really impact people up close. That's where God primarily moves, is in close relationships. So as an ambassador, the goal is not to be isolated, hidden, but, and I know some people are a little more task-oriented than relational, but I'll tell you, God loves people. And when you know God's love, you're going to move towards people. And relationships get closer. It's also a calling as an ambassador out of sin, out of silence, out of stepping back, out of sideways energy, and out of being self-centered. John the Baptist, who they also thought was crazy, said, Jesus must become greater and I must become less. Isn't that a good word for the church in America? May Jesus become greater and may we decrease, become less. You know what I've noticed in like 20 plus years of ministry here in America? I love America and I love the church and I love followers of Jesus. I've just noticed there's a temptation for followers of Jesus to get focused on this is what I want and this is when I want it and this is how I like it. Did everyone get it? This is how I like it. This is how I want it. And what's missing a lot of times is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'll tell you, in a church, and praise God that we have a church that's truly multi-generational, love all the generations, multi-ethnic, love all the cultures and the nations. Do you think it's going to be easy to have unity in such a diverse church? I'll tell you what's not going to work is all of us coming in here and saying, well, this is how I want it. This is how I want it. Didn't anybody get it? This is how I want it. That's not going to work towards the unity that we all desire. But what is going to work is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And with humility and sometimes some sacrifice of preferences, oh, God's doing that? Well, that wouldn't be the way maybe I chose it. That wouldn't have been the track I would have given out. But someone else gave out that track and three people came to the Lord. Then I'm not going to criticize that track. 
Be very careful you don't criticize millennials and the younger generation. Speak blessing over them. The expression of faith is different in every generation. The expression of faith is going to look different. We thank God for our seniors who are seasoned in the faith and wisdom. We thank God for ones getting baptized who at four years old say, I love Jesus, and it's going to look different. We celebrate all of it together. Being an ambassador is not a program. It's not just a title. It's a way of life. And ambassadors are blessed, and they bless other people. Say, I'm hearing this word bless a lot. What is that again? That's begin with prayer. Pray for people. Listen. Listen well. Often before you speak, the Bible says quick to listen, so to speak. And then eat together. Have a meal together. That's part of that closeness. Serving people. Know people's needs around you. And then share. Share about Jesus. Share your faith. Don't just share what you like and how it isn't what you like and how they got it wrong so it's not what you like. That's not the sharing. That's not the sharing. Share your story about what God has done in your life. Bless people. Bless people. An ambassador is more about passion than a program. It's more about what's on the inside than the outside. It's more about the pulse we have as followers of Jesus than any pressure It's not about checking a box. It's I get to bless people. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, being an ambassador doesn't mean that things are easy or things are tidy or things are just wrapped up with a bow. I think of Chris Hilkin, who's an ambassador I appreciate. Chris has five kids, and his wife recently died. Chris is younger than I am. Five kids, and his wife recently died. He's been through a lot the last 18 months. Uh, He served at a church where I served. Uh, He served as a pastor there in the very role I served at that church. He describes in the last 18 months, there's been a lot of inner transformation. He said, ministry for me before this involved a lot of teaching, leading teams, principles, creating spaces for other people, a little bit of an ivory tower, sanitized orderliness, And I was honestly kind of hesitant to enter the messiness and the mess of ministry, being honest. He says, now I'm most comfortable in the messiness. And I'm most comfortable being right there with people who are broken. He quotes a book that says, Jesus didn't come to learn how to be compassionate and sympathetic toward the outcasts. Jesus aligned himself with them. He was a friend of sinners. He wasn't just analyzing sinners. He didn't look down upon them. He came alongside. And Chris says, this is where I want God to take me, not to learn the art of dealing with the broken, but I'm most at home among the broken because that's me too. And coming close to people, when you're an ambassador, that means you get close to people. I would say getting close to God will lead to getting closer to your husband or wife. If you think you're getting closer to God and further away from your husband and wife, you got to check something at the door. You just missed the message of the Bible. I would say it's getting closer to your kids if you get closer to your God. If you're getting closer to God and the kids are going further and further apart, maybe work a few less hours and take them out for a meal. I would say getting closer to God means getting closer to your neighbors. If you think loving Jesus means not knowing who your neighbors are, not caring a bit, then you miss something in the Bible. 
An ambassador of Jesus means getting close to people in the mess, in the brokenness, sharing your own pain, praying, listening, caring. That's what an ambassador does. We need to rediscover and re-own who we already are. You're already an ambassador. An ambassador isn't just looking for a few more principles so they can lecture a few more people. That's not an ambassador. An ambassador abides with Jesus, is humble, and brings the love of Jesus in close relationships. It's not the person who sits back and knows so much and is so critical and elevates their preferences. That's not an ambassador of Jesus. That's not Jesus. Look at Jesus, and that's what an ambassador does, lives and loves like Jesus. So Paul says this with great passion, our primary purpose. And it flows out of the second question, who do you ultimately represent? Who do we represent? As we drop our logos and egos, who do we represent? And this is verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We have a maker and a savior who makes all things new. And by his grace, he has given you so much. And this is an empowering message to know that you're an ambassador. He's given you a new identity. This identity, being in the Lord, gives you a security now in your relationship and for eternity that you know you're going to heaven because who Jesus is and what he promised. It wasn't achieved. God initiated it, but we receive it. It means we're accepted and loved And it means there's a destiny for eternity that no one can take away and no one can separate us from the love of Christ. We are in Christ. And this is more than just information about Jesus. Information about Jesus is important. It's a great place to start. That's where I started. I didn't know anything about Jesus growing up. But the end goal is not information about Jesus The end goal is transformation through abiding with Jesus and knowing him and becoming like the Lord. You say, well, God sure makes some interesting selections. I mean, there's kind of some head scratchers. Jesus shows up and he doesn't go to the temple and pick 12 religious folks. He shows up. He picks out fishermen, like the everyday people. They kind of smell funny coming at the end of the day. They worked hard. They're sweaty. They don't quote Bible. They don't know Bible that well. Like, what's he doing picking them? He picks a Samaritan woman. She's already had five husbands. Some churches would just say, don't even enter our doors. Sadly, that's a spirit of religion. But Jesus goes to her, and she finds hope, and she tells her community. God isn't looking for the self-righteous and the proud. He's looking for ones who know they need this Savior. They know they need something new. And even the Apostle Paul, who did God select again and invite? Someone who is killing Christians. Well, if you've been criticizing and slandering Christians for the last year, and not too many people know about it, well, congratulations, you're a prime target right now that God would invite you to have a new identity and a new mindset and start living for Jesus as his ambassador. It can happen right now. Life and ministry are not separable. You know what happens? A lot of pastors, a lot of people in ministry, they stumble, they fall. There's this massive moral failure. And when you look back and you do the autopsy, they've separated their life 
and their ministry. And they know how to be very professional in religious circles. But they see that as a job and their own relationship with God. It is so easy if you're a long-term follower of Jesus to be so professional and you know where to show up and what to say and how to look and you fake people out. You can sit on the front row. You can raise your hands in worship and fake people out. Well, meanwhile, there's this area of your life as an ambassador of Jesus. You're not letting the Holy Spirit in and you're not letting other people in. And I'll tell you, you can't fake it for so long. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel wholehearted. But God calls us into this fullness and into this joy. Listen, there's no application to be an ambassador. You didn't earn it. You didn't answer 10 questions. It's not multiple choice. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not maybe an ambassador. Some people that are hard on themselves, they're like, I don't think I'm an ambassador. I think I know a couple ambassadors, but I don't think I'm an ambassador. Well, let me tell you, you're already an ambassador. You're already because God decides, God declares that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're an ambassador of Jesus. And we got people who say, well, can I just be kind of a situational ambassador, like Sunday night, but not Sunday morning, but not Friday night? Can I be the Sunday morning, not Friday night ambassador, like take a couple shifts, but then let other people? It's not situational, it's continual. It's not partial, it's full. And our God of heaven will knock on the door of your heart until you say, yes, come in. Because I'm not going to be fulfilled and you're not going to be fulfilled when we're playing games and there's double life, two faces, secret over here, Friday night here, Sunday morning here. It's not going to be a joy. And we have a God who brings a fullness of joy in a new mindset. And notice right here, ambassador of Jesus, he says, we see people not with a worldly point of view. What's a worldly point of view? A little better than some other people? Look down upon some people? Got any of that pride going on in your mindset? That's not from Jesus. Worldly point of view, look at the outside. Okay, well, let's see. What do they wear? How do they look? How smooth are they? Socially skilled or not? What about their social media? Let me check. How many followers? Let me check. Checking the outside on everything. That's not a godly point of view. So what is it? When we see people like Jesus sees people, Dave Waller used to say, if you knew the full story, it would make a lot of sense. Someone's mean to you, they flip you off, they cut you off driving. Well, if you could see the full story of what was going on in their life, you actually might have some compassion. You might actually start to pray for them. You might actually start to think, how could I be an instrument of God's healing right here? Instead of just criticizing, if you could see the full story of what they've been through and how they've been treated, it would change some things. And Jesus wants us to see people like he sees people. And our hearts would break like his heart breaks for those who are in pain, those who are hurting right now. You know, we receive so much from the Lord. And I had this powerful picture yesterday. A couple of our kids went to the store and one of them, with his own money, paid for a huge bag of Skittles and brought it home to one of our other kids. And they were just like, what? Like a gift? Not Skittles, but like Skittles. <laughs> you, you know, the, the kind that parents see and they're like, you can't eat it all right now uh, as, as this is going on. But what I noticed is that the person who received the Skittles started to say, do you want some Skittles? Hey, hey, do you want a few? What's your favorite color? Do you want some Skittles? 
The Bible says, freely you have received, so freely you give. You want some salvation? You want some encouragement? You want something from the word? You want some prayer? Can I serve you in any way? You got some needs? Can I fix that in your yard for you? Can I come over and do your yard work right now? Because I have so freely received. Oh, you need a little money? Can I buy that lunch for you? I have so freely received that I will freely give and not quench the spirit in any way. I should take a look at my notes every once in a while. Uh, Let's just say um, all this comes back to Jesus, Jesus. Now, here's the third question. How do you measure success? And this is chapter five, verse 18. And we say, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, wow, 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 to be sin, wow, the awe that Jesus who had no sin became sin for us so that in Jesus we might become and have and are the righteousness of God. Wow. If I told you Jesus was returning in five years, how would you live? If I said he's returning in two years, how would you live? If I said one year, how are you going to live? If I said in a month, how are you going to live? The measure of success in all those different time options, the measure of success is faithfulness to Jesus. That's the ultimate measure of success is faithfulness to Jesus. What starts to change in our minds and hearts as we listen to those possible scenarios is that the urgency picks up, doesn't it? If Jesus is coming back in a month, is that going to change a couple things about how you're living right now? Change a whole lot for me, to be honest. And being an ambassador is letting go of sinful things, letting, stepping out of insignificant things, stepping out of lesser things for the greater things that God is calling us to do. I remember one guy in seminary named Tim from Dallas, loved the Dallas Cowboys, didn't come in to watch the Cowboys one Sunday in our dorm. And I was like, Tim, you're not coming in to watch the Cowboys? He's like, no. I was like, well, it's just a couple hours. We're relaxing. He's like, listen, I love the Cowboys. I was like, well, why aren't you coming in to watch? He just said, I don't like what it does to my heart when I watch the game. Just feel like it pulls me away from Jesus and what's most important. It's like, wow, someone's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's not wrong to watch a Cowboys game, but what is happening with our time, our money, and our hearts as ambassadors? What are we really living for? I was listening to Fred Marker. This uh, message he gave was really eye-opening and powerful. First of all, here's a few good things. God is moving powerfully. and We know the end of the story in the book of Revelation. Christ is victorious. Over the last, listen to these stats. In 1970, there were 1.2 billion followers of Jesus. In 2014, 2.6 billion followers of Jesus. That's never happened in such a short amount of time like that to increase so massively the number of Jesus followers. In the last 30 years, the percentage of people living in extreme poverty has dropped over 25%. It's down to 10% of the world's population in 2020. He also points out that the number of atheists in the world, in 1991, 4.4%. In 2006, 2%. Now, I know in the sound, you're like, what? We got way more than 2%. Yeah, 
You're lived in a mission field, folks, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, percentages are a little different where we live. Uh, so you, you take all that together, and in countries, all but 16, the percentage of Jesus followers is growing faster than the birth rate. So clearly, God is doing amazing things around the world. But what I also want to take in is that the world, and talking about America's condition right now, there's reason for some urgency. Coming back to that theme of urgency. He has done research, read a thousand books and looked at many other experts. In the last 5,000 years, there's been 26 superpowers. An average length for a superpower uh, is about 235 years. We are beyond that. We've been a, super, we've been a country longer than that. Uh, he said there's seven stages. And the final stage before a superpower starts to collapse is a stage of decadence, deterioration spiritually and morally. And he said, he just walking through the seven stages, and, and that's really where we're at. He's saying things are shifting in the world, that Russia's now far more powerful. China, far more powerful. And, and we love people from all nations, but it's not just like U.S. is standing there. Now there's three. He said um, that so often when there's three, uh, a, a war will break out. And he said the weapons now today aren't smaller. They're massive. All that to say there's a real urgency. And we could pretend like none of this is going on, the fact is, America is in a very pregnant moment right now. It's a very pregnant moment as we look at the world scale. It's a very important time. And yes, God is doing amazing things around the world, amazing things, and both are happening at the same time. It's an amazing time to be alive. And you say, well, why do we have revival night? Stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, you can go global or you can go personal and say, we need to gather, we need to seek God, we need to pray and we try to persuade people. I'll, I'll close with this. We've been praying for Ukraine on Mondays. And we gather at noon here, also online. And this was incredible. We didn't even know this was going to happen. A pastor from Ukraine who narrowly escaped. I mean, he talked about his family going over a bridge, and then the bridge was destroyed. Uh, they escaped. He had dual citizenship. So we came here. People said, come pray in, in our church, he joined us, Pavel. And now he's gone from America to Poland. Why? He's caring for people who are displaced. Then he's bringing supplies back to Ukraine. I was just emailing him this morning. This is the reality he's in. With tears, he's grieving. He's not minimizing any of the pain, the loss, the suffering. And he said the number of people that have died is beyond what the reports that, that, that were given. Uh, that's his report. Uh, but this is what he said. He said, when you look at the book of Acts, the believers were in Jerusalem, and persecution and violence came, and then they were scattered, and they brought the gospel wherever they went. He said, when you think about Europe and Eastern Europe and Europe overall, he said, so many of the most devoted followers of Jesus are in Ukraine. In what's happening right now, as there's tragedy and, and destruction, we need to keep the situation in our prayers. But Ukrainians are traveling to other countries, bringing the love of Jesus and bringing the gospel. And they're on mission because they know they're ambassadors. You don't stop being an ambassador. That was kind of his message. You don't stop being an ambassador just because you, your church gets blown up or your city gets blown up or someone invades and takes over your country. You don't stop being an ambassador. You don't stop abiding. And so the Ukrainians are very bold and they're sharing the gospel, including America. And wherever they go, they're grieving, they're abiding, and they're ambassadors for Jesus. And to hear that firsthand was so moving. 
And when I see how Paul's living here, it's so moving. And when I see how Jesus lives, it's so moving. And I think it moves us out of the rut and the plateau and the distractions, and it moves us toward our true identity, that we are ambassadors. Wow, ambassadors. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're an ambassador. And then look to the other person, tell them, you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. And then just let that sink in today. Let that sink in. I'm going to close our service with prayer. Father God, we thank you that you call us sons, daughters, priests, co-heirs, ambassadors. We thank you for your goodness and grace. We pray that our true identity would sink in today. We would receive more grace and freely we'd extend grace. We thank you what you're doing in each person's life. And we pray on Wednesday night you would revive in amazing ways. Thank you the work that you're doing in our church right now, in our family. And we give you praise, the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.